baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hey, 12 now on a chilly Friday morning, but after a kind of cool weekend, we'll get back to 80 by Wednesday, so we continue to play thermostat ping pong. Marcella Hauser, Hauser joins us now, assistant professor of clinical pediatrics at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine, a pediatrician who is board certified in obesity medicine. Good morning, doctor. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Fine. Can I ask, I'm just curious, what led you to uh, treating obesity? Um, basically, uh, you know, I'm a general pediatrician. I'm like the doc you take your kids to for checkups or when they're sick. And obesity was one thing that I found myself counseling on every single time and was willing to put in the extra effort. And I realized that it was important to me and it wasn't a problem that was going away. Um, and the tools that we had at the time that I was trained with weren't enough for my patients. So that's kind of how I started to delve into that and become certified in obesity medicine in 2019. How bad of a problem is childhood obesity, and at what age are we talking about? And, you know, it used to be when, you know, you watch the movies in the old days and they had a baby that was um, a, a fat. They'd say, oh, look, he's healthy. He's a fat little baby. How, at what point should parents start to pay attention to this? Um, well, you know, some of the, the influencers for pediatric obesity start in utero. So this is something that, you know, um, women who are pregnant um, and families should talk about before they start having kids, making sure that they're working on doing healthy habits. There's a lot of things that contribute to pediatric obesity. But in, in babies, we don't have um, technical, like, ways to classify mm -hmm. uh, having overweight or obesity in babies. But we start looking at body mass index at two years of age. Mm. That's when we start to talk about, um, you know, having extra weight for our height or our body size. Primary reasons for this, is it, were the two-year-old or the parents just overfeeding the child? Does the metabolism enter into this? So um, it, it's, it's not as simple as people once used to think. Um, let, let me jump in for one second, doctor. My aunt... My mother used to give us cake occasionally for breakfast, and my aunt would t tell my mother, you're going to get those kids fat. And guess what? She did. But it's not that simple, or is it? No, it's not. Okay. Um, over the past two decades, the scientific community has been studying and researching obesity, and we've learned that it is a complex and chronic disease with multiple causes besides just um, eating too much or not moving enough. Um, genetics plays a role. Adverse childhood events, so suffering, trauma, uh, you know, abuse, um, even going through a, a family divorce can increase your child's risk of having obesity. Um, social determinants of health um, and then personal and structural racism have been proven to contribute to increased weight. And the ways that that it works, it, it's complex, but basically living with, you know, chronic stress leads to chronic inflammation and that affects our body's ability to balance out energy and um, metabolism. At what point do parents get involved and how do they do it as early as two years old if something comes up on the body mass index thing? So um, my, you know, personal recommendations aside from these new recommendations are always that, you know, you should be asking your pediatrician who hopefully you trust. If you don't trust, you probably need to find a new one. 
um, for help with those lifestyle modifications. Um, if, if the pediatrician can't give you enough, asking for more help, asking to see a nutritionist, um, asking for, you know, kids who have disordered eating, um, getting counseling for that, ask to be referred to someone who specializes in obesity medicine. I'm not the only one in, um, in Louisiana that, that is, has this certification um, in the pediatric community. Uh, use positive self-talk about yourself and your family and then your children. And really it's about focusing on the healthy habits um, and not the number on the scale per se and changing one habit at a time until it becomes second nature. Uh, but it's really about this, you know, continuing to be an advocate. All parents are advocates for their kids. So it's about asking for all the treatment options, um, even medications and bariatric surgery. So the newest the guidelines are different from the old guidelines. The, the old guidelines are 15 years old. And um, since 2007, when those were out, we've just had, you know, continuing increasing numbers in obesity. And so the previous guidelines talked about just counseling and waiting and watching. Um, and so the new guidelines really stress early intervention um, and then giving the highest level of intensity uh, appropriate for that child. So that's meaning um, talking about anti-obesity medications as early as 12 and even bariatric surgery as early as 12 or 13. Wow. Um, when it comes to, I remember a long time reading ago about fat cell memory or set point or something like that. Is that mm -hmm. still thinking that when your body, when you do put on weight, that your body maybe changes its set point or fat cells get refilled? And I know, doctor, this is, <laughs> this is a gross oversimplification, but is there something to be said for that? Is that still a current thinking that once you start being overweight, you're, you're going to be up against it? So yeah, the set point theory still is, is something that we talk about. Um, and basically, yes, our bodies will try to hold on to weight. And so when someone has successfully lost weight, um, by whatever means, uh, our body will actually do things to counteract that. So our hunger hormones will increase. Our metabolism, the rate at which we burn energy, will go down. Um, contestants in the Biggest Loser um, uh, show competition, they studied those participants years, years later, and they still had lower resting metabolic rates because they had lost all that weight. Um, so that is, this is a chronic disease, and, and losing weight is not easy. Most people at best will lose 5% uh, with just lifestyle modifications, doing changing their eating, doing physical activity. So if you have someone who's, you know, over 200 pounds, that's only losing 10 pounds at best with their best efforts on just changing their lifestyle. So it is imperative that we start looking at these medications and using them. Um, they've been used safely in the adult communities. And so we're starting to get more and more approval for, for our pediatric population. However, insurance coverage is still a major difficulty. Um, so most of these medications, I can't get insurance to pay for, for my patients with severe obesity. I know uh, that you and I knew what I was talking about, but maybe we should take a step back for context and explain, if you can, what that set point theory is. Um, yeah, so that's kind of um, like what I was mentioning about if you are um, if you're at your heaviest weight and you successfully lose weight, um, even just that 5% of weight is 5% weight loss isn't, um, I don't want to poo-poo only 5% because just losing 5% of your body weight will improve your um, average daily blood sugar, your lipids, um, your cholesterol panel, your, um, your blood pressure. But um, so when your body loses weight, um, it will actually change um, the hormones. So ghrelin is a, a hormone that um, our body makes, and it's, it's a strong stimulus of hunger. 
So when people lose weight, their body actually makes more ghrelin. And so they actually often feel more hungry after they've lost weight. And so that is hard to counteract if you feel more hungry. Um, so we have medications that will affect that pathway, um, those different pathways in the brain that, that regulate hunger and then the way that our body, um, you know, uh, burns energy. So when you also lose weight, um, your, your normal resting metabolic rate, we can calculate it with an equation. We have, there's some fancy equipment that most offices don't have, but that can do a more accurate measure of how many calories your body burns um, on a daily basis. Um, and so if you've lost weight, your body will actually stop burning, rate, burning calories at that same rate, and it'll actually conserve energy and store it and then burn less on a daily basis than it would before you lost weight. So bottom line, um, once you get obese, you're up against it. Accurate? Yes. Okay. Let's take a break. We'll pick it up when we come back. Dr. Marcella Hauser is our guest, assistant professor of clinical pediatrics at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine, a pediatrician who is board certified in obesity medicine. You heard her say she has a problem with insurance companies paying for medicine. Obesity, I think, and the doctor can straighten me out on this when we come back, affects poor children more, and so that's kind of like double jeopardy, to, to use the phrase loosely, not in a constitutional sense, where you're obese because you can't afford healthy foods, and then you can't get the medicine you need to deal with that because the insurance doesn't cover it. 821, more when we come back. Time now, WWL Traffic. 826 and a half, Tommy Tucker, WWL, talking to Dr. Marcella Hauser, Assistant Professor of Clinical Pediatrics at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine, board-certified pediatrician in obesity medicine. And I'm chuckling, doctor, because some people are texting me, and everybody has their own science and their own way of losing weight. And I guess for individuals it is different, but there are a lot of commonalities when it, come to the me when it comes to the medical approach to this, are there not? Um, I mean, for... The, the typical treatment options um, should be beyond nutrition um, counseling, beyond physical activity counseling. It should involve sometimes, um, you know, therapeutic counseling if someone has disordered eating, um, like binge eating. And then it should involve anti-obesity medications to counteract that complex disease that we know is going against um, everyone's good intentions and efforts at being healthier. And then bariatric surgery is, uh, you know, sometimes people think it's extreme, but um, it has been done in adolescent patients successfully, and they have similar um, success rates as far as weight loss and the same kind of um, complication profile. Usually it's 1% to 2% um, can have a complication, but it can be curative. Bariatric surgery can be curative and, and cause remission of type 2 diabetes, hyperlipidemia, obstructive sleep apnea, hypertension. Um, and insurance companies will pay for it for, um, for type 2 diabetes sometimes, again, and, and bariatric surgery is at the far end of the spectrum, um, but not enough patients that qualify for bariatric surgery get referred um, because of there's biases within healthcare providers. We're one of the biggest um, contributors of, of weight bias and weight stigma and judging patients um, about their obesity and thinking it's a lack of willpower. Wow. Um, talk about, if you will, doctor, what I mentioned before the break about poverty, yeah. the role that plays in childhood obesity and how it might be a, a double uh, whammy if they can't get the insurance yes. to pay for the medicine or the food. Go ahead, please. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing it up. As I mentioned, you know, personal and structural racism, the social determinants of health are a big contributor to obesity. That's why we see health disparities. So health disparities just means there's a difference in how a, a disease affects certain populations. 
And health disparities come from, and that result in differences in disease, come from the environments that are contributing to it, the structural racism, the personal experiences, the toxic stress of living in environments with not enough resources, not enough finances. Overweight and obesity do not affect communities and populations equally, um, as they don't have equal access to these healthy foods, health care itself, and then opportunities for physical activity. And then the comorbidities that, that kids and adults can get from obesity, like type 2 diabetes, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, polycystic ovarian syndrome, all those things can affect um, uh, our, our patients of color with greater proportion because of the, the disparity in obesity. And so Louisiana is no stranger to that. We are third out of all 50 states for pediatric obesity. Uh, over 20% of our youth, um, 10 to 17, have obesity. So this is something that we need to take seriously and we need to stop judging patients about um, and treat people with dignity and provide them all the scientific options that we know are available and are effective for helping them in their weight loss um, goals. Doctor, I can't tell you how much I imagine I, I, I um, admire your passion and your knowledge when it comes to this, and I hope you'll come back and talk to us. My kid teaches uh, school third grade in northern Louisiana, and they have some third graders, doctor, that are tipping the scales of like 250, 260 pounds. Yeah, I know. It's um, sad. Well, I, I, teaching is the hardest job, so um, yeah. my heart goes out to him. But I'm and, just saying it's— again, we're all in this together. What you're saying is real. I've seen it, and it is a major problem, so I hope you come back and talk to us. Thank you so much. 8.30, coming up on 8.30, one minute late, time for WWL First News. For that, we go to Ian Ozan. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 